Welcome to the How Soccer Explains Leadership Podcast, where we explore leadership principles through the lens of the beautiful game. Welcome back to How Soccer Explains Leadership. Thanks again for being a part of this show. And, uh, you know, we are entering into another halftime show, which Paul and I love getting to do. I, of course, don't want to speak for Paul. So, Paul, do you love getting to do this? I love it. I love it. I mean, this is a little bit different season because I got to chime in on on one of the episodes, but usually this is my my only time to kind of chime in and and talk. But yeah, man, I love these check-ins here. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, we, we love doing this because we get to just kind of reminisce about the great half of a season that we were just able to have. I'm Phil Dark. For those of you, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. And we are your hosts. We get to usually just interview amazing people, which this season has been no exception. And then every so often we just get together and talk about what we, what we talked about. And uh, to, to be able to just talk about a few other things as well. And, and today is actually, we are recording this the week that we're releasing it, which isn't the, the typical way we do these things, but we are this week. And, and just yesterday was the final day of the Premier League. And normally we don't talk about just the world of soccer per se in this podcast. We talk about what soccer is teaching us about life and leadership. But I got I to gotta bring that up yesterday because it was just an amazing finish. And you, and you were saying you got to kind of follow it via text at the soccer field because you were with one of your sons watching some, some soccer. But, but what would you get from the text world of that just wild ride we, we got, to, got to be a part of yesterday? Well, to put it in perspective, I mean, I think you need to know that, you know, the text messages were coming from my nephew, who is a Liverpool fan. So yeah, it was coming from yeah. a Liverpool perspective, but just crazy, the back and forth. And, you know, everybody's talking about the, the top of the table, which we always mm-hmm. do. But I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of conversation about the bottom of the table mm-hmm. was almost just as crazy yep. uh, as the top. Yeah. What a wild ride. And I think, as we were saying before we started recording, man, that's that's why we love this game. You know, it's just, it's unpredictable. You never know. And I, I personally think that, you know, I wish every season ended that dramatically. It just oh, yeah. keeps it so interesting all the way to to the end of it. You know, there's been seasons where you've had the leader who had clinched, you know, weeks ahead of time or whatever. But this is, I think, a lot more fun as it comes down to the wire. Yeah, I mean, it literally went down to the last 15 minutes of the season. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, I think at the last 10 minutes of both the games, they, it was, it was tied. And so it was effectively zero zero going into the last ten minutes. So that the 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 title race came down to that. The relegation battle came down to the last 10, 15 minutes. It one goal could have switched everything up until the last 10, 15 minutes of the season, which is unbelievable. I mean, and even going to the Europa, yeah. you know, I, I say that only because Manchester United backed into the Europa League, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, if that's not a testament to where they are right now, I don't know <laughs> uh, what would be. But the fact that West Ham had to lose to Brighton, I didn't, I haven't been a Brighton supporter forever and uh, was yesterday for a bit. And, and then the Champions League spot as well. I mean, Tottenham had to beat, had to beat Norwich. I mean, uh, it, which Norwich was already long gone into the into the championship. But, yeah. but to have every, literally every spot was at stake yesterday, which I don't remember a season that that has been that way with the, with the Premier. No, there was there was a lot on the line. I think it was even really interesting the weekend prior. Mm-hmm. You know, as as things were kind of building up to, hey, what what is the last weekend going to look like? You know, I got to watch you know some of those matches, but. That was even an interesting weekend too, because it really set up such a dramatic 
those results were so important because it set up such a dramatic last last day for for the league and for all the different leagues and all the circumstances and everything that falls into place and the amount of money that probably went back and forth. Not I'm not mm-hmm. talking about the betting side of it because I'm, I'm yeah. sure there's a lot of money exchange hands for the betting side, but just within within the you know promotion relegation side of of, yes. of finances for leagues and players contracts and I mean I think people forget the you know, the domino effect that those results actually have for people's lives, you know, front office staff, players, players within teams and organizations and stadium buildings and things like that. I mean, I just came back from a trip and talking to some of the folks there, they get promoted from a second division to a first division. There's your stadium requirements and all these things that, Mm -hmm. that people don't even think about. But I love thinking through those processes of like, okay, it's not just about the teams that stayed up and the teams that you know, went down, but all the different pieces that have to fall that fall into place after that happens. Yeah. That I'm sure today and this week is a crazy week of work in all of the clubs. Yeah, absolutely. And and the transfers that were gonna happen, like if Leeds got, you know, relegated, then would Calvin Phillips have gone to a different team? Maybe he still will, but that changes. And yeah. I was talking to my son about it, you know, just the most lucrative game in all of global football is coming up this weekend with the championship you know, a playoff final mm-hmm. and, and, but that game that you just watched yesterday or, you know, the, the leads and the Burnley and that, that those were just as, you know, not just as, but pretty close as far as the amount of money, like you were talking about that they just yeah. staying up. And then every place, that's what I love about the premier league. Every place you get $2.2 million more for finishing that one place ahead. So I think yeah. Leicester jumped three teams by winning yesterday. So they, that's, you know, $6 million right there. They just, they just yeah. made, you know, so that's, Easy that's money. so great. Easy money. That's what's so great. Exactly. Well, Leicester yeah. likes to make money in the premier league. That's what, that's what they've been doing the last decade or so. <laughs> but I love the story about that. I don't know if you heard that story about the Leicester fan that every year he put, I think it was $50 or 500. I think it was $50. He put down on Leicester every year just to win the yeah. premier league. The yeah. one year he did not because he was traveling was the year they won it. Oh, he would have made at five thousand. He that. would have made you know over a hundred thousand dollars on that one bet, but he didn't put guy. it down. That could you imagine? I just couldn't even imagine that. But anyway, what does that teach you about life and leadership? Well, I don't know. Don't gamble. So that's not what we're saying because I don't want people <laughs> to take that from that. But anyway, there's there's so much. It was just fun, man. What a fun day. I got to sit down with my my kids and watch those games and to have them all on. I remember I just saw a post by Diego uh, Bocanegra, our, our friend, mm-hmm. and he had, I think, five TVs and iPads and everything else <laughs> in his room. It was fantastic. And I just oh. had the iPads and the TV. I didn't quite have the multiple televisions on mantles and stuff like he did. But yeah, but he's next just, level though, Diego. He he's is. Next level. He's next level in everything he yeah. does, I think. So anyway, but we, we, we had a blast in our house anyway. So, all right, so let's get to it. We got, we got some, uh, some episodes to cover and we were, we were, as we were getting ready to start this episode, we'd mentioned this was just a really cool half season. I mean, coming off of the, the off season talks and we, we had pumped up this, this season as having some really cool guests and May has, is mental health awareness month. And so we were able to, to get folks on there who were, were going to help us understand mental health and, and all of them touched on it. Some were, that's all they talked about, really. Mm-hmm. Boy, I just want to hear from you just generally over the, the last four episodes. So what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, Phil, I feel like a broken record when we get on these, you know, halftime halftime talks because I get I get so much out of these interviews, you know, as a as a former college coach and 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 now doing the consulting work that I'm doing with different clubs and, and coaches and things. There's just so much out there, so much more to continue to learn. And I just think some really fun programs uh, and ideas that are being pushed around our, our country and the world. And I think these four guests that we have really dive deep into some really really critical areas uh, of sport. And I found them very, very interesting, each and every one of them. And I, I think I told you, I'm going to go back to, you know, probably every one of them at some point to just kind of dig in a little bit deeper and listen a little bit more intently to some of the things that they're saying and the references that they have to certain things. I think they can help me be a better leader and a, and a, and a better coach and consultant as I'm navigating the things that I'm doing now. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I was, I'm always blown away by our guests because there's just so many people out there that are doing amazing things. Just a lot of, lot of. I mean, I have tons of fun doing these interviews just because I get to learn stuff. But I, I remember actually, it's it's kind of the funny stories about all these guests. They're all referrals or people that I've met over the last six to eight months. I mean, I, I none of these, oftentimes these guests are people I've known for years and years. And that's one of the things I love about where we've gotten to in this show as well is that we're having people sending us guests. We're having people that are saying, Hey, you know, you should interview this person. You should interview that person. Daniel O'Neill, the doctor, the orthopedic surgeon, who was the first guest of this season. He was from a friend of mine who said, Hey, I just heard this guy on another podcast. You got to get him on yours. It's, it's exactly what you were talking about. And I mentioned that on that interview that he had listened to the Jay Demerit interview. My friend had, and he, then he listened to a different interview with Dr. O'Neill and he said, oh, you got to, it's, it's like the same, they're talking about the same, same stuff. You got to get him on. And, and I'm so glad he did because what a, what a great conversation that was, you know, just to be able to talk with, with him about the idea of physical identity. And I, I've talked about that with so many people over the last, you know, ever since I just, I learned about him. And, and before we get into talking about that, I, I want to remind you folks out there, like, share with us these guests, you know, Phil at how soccer explains leadership.com. You can, you can just send me an email and say, Hey, there's somebody that I, I know would be a great guest. And even if it's you who you think would be able to share stuff with other people, we'd love to, we just want to, we're here to share really good information with people to be able to understand how we can use, you know, the lessons from this game and the lessons from other sports as well to be able to help us in the different areas of our life. So that's just a, you know, another plug for that. We, we do listen, we do respond to the emails. We do want to have these conversations with you. So, so going back to Dr. O'Neill, I mean, I, I, I know for me just to hear about the impact of when we talk about youth sports and how the, the, very highly elite competitive sports in our country have, have changed and have caused specialization and all these other things that we've talked a lot about on this show. He brought a different angle on it. The idea that it also brings in the issue that when kids don't play the competitive sports now, they're really dubbed as non-athlete, mm -hmm. which then leads to them, you know, really not getting exercise and not being physically fit and physically active because it's athlete, non-athlete distinction. It used to be non-athletes were, you know, going out and still playing, riding their bikes around, climbing on trees, going to parks, hanging out, doing hikes, doing all these things. And now it seems like when you're a non-athlete, you're going and sitting on a screen and playing video games and, you know, sitting at 
parks rather than playing at parks, you know, that, that type stuff. And, and I, and I've seen it a little bit with, uh, with just the high school kids, but what, what have you seen on that? I mean, do you, do you, is that, is that, do you, you see that in Waco? Do you see that in the different, when kids stop playing the sports, are you seeing that same thing? Yeah, you do. And one of the, I mean, I, I really, I really liked a lot of the things that Dr. O'Neill talked about, because I, I do think that there, we've got to, we've got to push our education system to make sure that we're keeping physical fitness and, and keeping, you know, not sport, but just play that there's times, you know, there's so many studies and he talks about it, you know, the studies that talk about how academics are the more successful in academics when people are, are active, right. Even our own minds, like, Hey, wake up, get your, get your day going, get some exercise. Like it's the same thing for kids. And I think because of specialization and because of the, the high emphasis on high athletic achievement, I think, and, and with the ongoing push for, for tech and the accessibility of tech for our kids, it's easy for kids not, not to do things. You know, when, when we were younger and there wasn't as much tech, I mean, we're just going to sit in our room all day and do a what, look at our ceiling. You know I mean? We could, but we did, if we weren't doing that, we we're doing something active. We we're moving our bodies to do things. And I think that the push to get back into our education system, back into our schools, you know, physical activity and physical education. And I've seen it in some local local schools where a PE class is, is they're just walking around a track. I mean, that's better than nothing. Right. But you know, how can we get our kids more active? How can we introduce them to things that, that keep them active and keep them outside and keep them moving, moving their bodies and teaching more about how to, to take care of themselves. So I think that that's a really important thing that he's doing is that fight for physical activity, even within our, in our school programs and getting parents more involved in the importance uh, of challenging you know, our kids to just get out and play, you know, you guys talked even on the thing about, I think it's, is it safetyism? You know, how yeah. sometimes, you know, a lot of, you know, parents are, are scared about their kids going out and, and playing and doing things. And I, I find myself at times too, having to check myself of, you know, what I think might be okay for my kids to do and realize, okay, is, is that something really that I should be concerned about? Or is that something that just kind of played into my head and really shouldn't be much of a concern, you know, yeah. but I, I enjoyed his conversation and the, the conversation around specialization that, you know, that's a, that's a theme that has come up a lot in our conversations through many, many guests, that specialization thing. And I love, you know, you had the conversation with him, but I think that the the whole, you know, conversation about specialization from his opinion was very interesting because you're, you're dancing very well through like, Hey, you're not saying that, you know, high level sport is a bad thing, but, and you're not, you know, take me through kind of your thought process as you're interviewing him through that conversation of, of specialization. Cause I thought it was very unique and great. Yeah. Well, you know, his book, and I, I, I strongly recommend that book survival of the fit and it, and it goes into a lot of these things and it is a dance and it is something that I wanted to make sure that he was sharing his views on competitive sports because He's very clear that for that 1%, you know, kind of we were talking about in the demerit interview, for that 1%, yeah, like, go and do what you got to do. But the problem is we don't know who that no 1% is early on. And everyone's, we're coaching everyone as if they're that 1% because we don't know who the 1% is, which makes sense from that side of it, right? But as a parent as a as as a orthopedic surgeon he's seeing the detrimental effects of coaching everyone to that 1% when most people aren't the 1% necessarily 99% of the people are not the 1% <laughs> good math right, right there Phil. exactly you know i can do some math like even this early in the morning so in the interview i want to not lead him too much because 
I know, you know, I'm, I was a lawyer, so I know you don't want to lead people too much, especially when you know what they're going to say generally, unless you're cross-examining, which I'm not doing in these, just to, to make it clear. And yet, I didn't want him coming across as this guy, you know, as he said, most of our audience are people who are going to be either coaching at high levels, playing at high levels, going to be playing at high levels, uh, wanting people to play at high levels but most people listening to this are going to have that competitive too so i didn't want them just writing him off as some whack job who hates competitive sports and i wanted people to make sure to really understand that because we're pouring so much into this it's actually ruining a lot of the physical identity for these other kids because as a society we've said that oh if kids want to be active we have all these youth sports that are out there the problem is most of the kids are either burning out they don't think they're good enough and there's not a lot of options now it used to be that there was recreational sports up until high like high school was done where ayso rec soccer and you could play at a decent level Mm -hmm. playing that now it's like everything is either club competitive or just nothing. I mean, there is, there are those games, but I've ref those games. I don't know if you've seen those games, Paul. It's painful. Yeah. It's like, it's literally parents who are saying it's probably to their kids. You have to play something. You have to do something. You're not just going to sit around your butt. Good for those parents. Like to yeah. be like, you got to be active, but the kids are out there and they just don't care. Yeah. And half the times you're showing up with nine players because the girls are not even wanting to be out there. So, And I see it at the high school level too. So that's what I wanted to make sure with him. I was giving him the opportunity to share it and making sure people didn't write him off as some wacko because he's not at all. I mean, he's a guy who, I mean, not only is he an orthopedic surgeon who's just brilliant, obviously, if he's going to make it through and doing all that. He's got that book on knee surgery too, which I recommend. But he also is a guy who who really loves sports. I mean, he does. I, he literally, I don't know if you saw it, but as I'm wrapping up that episode, if you watch the video, you'll see him literally walk by the video in a, in a bike outfit because he, was, he went from, straight from our interview to a big bike ride that he had with his people because he's practicing what he's preaching, you know, and he's a guy who really believes this and he wants the people to continue playing sports at high level. But... Also, he, his, his heart is for that 75% of people who stop playing sports before college and to make yeah. sure that they don't just stop being active. So anyway, we could talk on and on about that, but that was that, that, was that dance. That was that dance yeah. from, from well, that, which that is was fun. Good. Yeah, and I think, I mean, there may be a transition there, you know, not skipping out of order. I don't think the order matters that we talk about it. our guests, but I think there is a connection there with Evan, you know, mm-hmm. who's the executive director of, you know, the New Jersey Youth Soccer which we can dive into that a little bit too, but I think there's a connection because he talks a little bit too in the women's game, how he's seeing a trend for women or girls not participating as much. So the numbers for participation for, for girls is is starting to lessen. Now, Mm -hmm. I think we did, we hit a height after the the 99 world cup, right. We kind of cruised the set. So maybe it's a leveling off a bit, but I think there's a piece of it there too, where it went from there's an excitement about youth girls soccer to now it's specialization and it's, you know, playing at a high level or you're not really going to play soccer anymore. And there's so many other things for, for people to do now that maybe that's why those numbers are diving. So I think those do relate a little bit with our guests uh, that maybe, maybe part of the problem with, you know, 
maybe the drop a little bit or decline in the, the, the numbers for girls soccer has to do with the fact that we've really gone to the specialization on the girl side from, you know, where girls could play a couple of different sports. So now they're really special. If they want, if they want to go to co- college and I'm putting my quote fingers up for those, you're just listening to the audio. If they want to play college soccer, they have to specialize in soccer from the age of 10. It's not true. I don't believe, mm-hmm. I don't believe in it, but maybe there's some correlation there between those two. And that's just one little bit of bitty, bitty minute thing that, that Evan talked about, but I think that's a, maybe a bit of a connect. Yeah. You know, I, I talk, you, you do too. I know. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. See if you agree, but, uh, you know, my a big part of my theory is when they specialize early, the parents are also investing massive amounts of money and time into it, right? So they're telling their kids, you're going to make it, you're going to be there. This is why we're doing it. We're pouring into you. We're investing in you so that you can be a college player, pro, whatever the, whatever that next level is that they're trying to get to. You can be a comp player if they're just playing rec, you know, when they're eight, nine, we're investing in you. We're getting you the private training. We're getting you the speed training. We're getting you the agility training. We're going to have put a parachute on your back and you're going to run. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Right. And, and I'm not saying that's bad, but it puts a lot of pressure on those kids. So yeah. to do in the right, to keep perspective and doing that is really difficult. It's, it's, a, it's tough to do that. And so there's this pressure, pressure, pressure. And then they get into these, these clubs. And necessarily, if you're going to have 20 elite players at an ECNL club or a MLS Next or whatever it is, it's a ton of pressure on these kids. And so this is pressure cooker, which we've talked about. Parents are also pressuring. But then also, if their kid's not going to play all the time, which they won't, because there's 20 kids on that elite team and all those are great players. If you have 20, two have to sit out in any given tournament because you can only have 18 on the bench, right? So they're literally not even possibly playing in the game. So that causes a lot of, I mean, unless the coaches are dialed in to culture and understand themselves and understand their players, it leads to toxicity on those teams. When there's toxicity on those teams, you and I, we've talked a lot about this too all of a sudden it's just a recipe for burnout, which then you go to why are so many young women and men both? It's not just the girl's side that's that's burning out. Why are they all burning out? Well, because they they're they're in these toxic, terrible environments that are getting and, and they're getting it from all all sides they're getting it from the parents they are getting it from the coaches and they're getting it from their teammates too like you got to do this you got to do that you got to do the next thing and man they're just trying to figure out who they are right they're trying to figure out their identity they're trying to figure out you know what do i want to do next and we're putting all this on them and I, i just i just think it's too much which it's no wonder that the amount of girls who are still playing in high school is dwindling because they're also told if you're not the best, then why even bother playing? Right. I mean, do you, do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's just, uh, there's too much pressure on, and these girls at a young age or any player, men, women, whatever, too much pressure at a young age to, to do. And I, I think I've told the story before where I've had numerous, numerous players come to the collegiate level that have their first realization being away from mom and dad that they don't even really love soccer. Right. You know, it's like, right. I've been playing forever. It's like, Hey, why, why do you play? 
oh man, I've never really been asked that, you know? So I think that's a, it's definitely a thing. It's a trend that needs to change and go back the other way for sure. Yeah. So I, I love, like you said, I love what Evan's doing there. I love the, and you even talked about it before. I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that is just as far as understanding what a state association actually does. Like that was kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, I found it really interesting, and obviously, I love the collaboration that that the state associations state associations have that he talked about with some of the different state associations collaborating on on things. Because we, as a leader, we need to share information. We need to share, especially if our goal is to benefit a certain population of people. So, if we're trying to benefit young soccer players, then yes, those state associations should work together to share knowledge and share information. But it's amazing, and I, you know, I've been part of youth sports most of my entire life and, and don't think that I really truly understood a lot of the things that, that go on inside of a state association. And I think he talked about having a team of maybe 10 people. I think he yeah, kind of threw that right. in there. Yeah. Dealing with like what a hundred thousand members mm-hmm. or something like that. So mm-hmm. it's amazing the things that they're doing and the initiatives that they're pushing on yeah. to to support their community. And, and right in every he even mentioned that you know every community is going to be a little bit different. Every state's going to be a little bit different in what their pursuit is and what their focus is going to be on, but I think it is important that they understand the needs of their community and are, are pouring into that. And it sounds like he's doing a fantastic job in the state of New Jersey. I just keep hearing a lot of great things coming out of the state of New Jersey. And I, and I think, I, I think that New Jersey has always kind of been ahead of the game when it mm-hmm. came to youth soccer. They've always had, he talks about some of the players that come back to, or not, they're not players anymore, but former players that are coming back to pour into the community yeah, there's some some big names yeah, that yeah. have come out of the state of New Jersey, men and women. So I think they've always done it at an elite level, and I think he's doing a great job of of keeping that keeping that going. Yeah, it's funny when you think about New Jersey because it's like northeast, cold. You know, like you don't think much about New Jersey as far as soccer, and then you remember that Tony Miola, Tab Ramos, you know, Carly Lloyd, and Carly Lloyd's one that people think about all the time because she, is, yeah. you know, is is recent but in most recent media yeah age but but there's a lot of names that come out of there and and it's it's a it's a great pool of great players and it, it has been historically and it probably will continue to be and and that's what's cool so folks if you if you didn't listen to that go check out evan dabby and he talks about the growing the girls game initiative that they have he talks about the innovate to grow initiative that david rica who was also on the podcast a few episodes back is is heading up there they have their metro leagues they have some it's a lot of really cool stuff as you said paul hundred thousand kids about 5,000 coaches I believe it's just a huge operation and Evan came from the MLS and he's just bringing some amazing stuff to uh, New Jersey youth soccer and so if you're in that area you you have a great uh, great guy at the helm if you're not I think you got a lot to learn from it he talked about collaboration in that as well as he's collaborating with other state associations on some you know safety projects on some other things and hopefully we can start doing some more stuff with them collaboratively so that was a great, a great conversation. The other one that we got to talk with, uh, it's a friend, another mutual friend of David Rica, who referred me to Kara Bradley. And all these, I think all but Daniel O'Neill are, are connected in this, in this half season. But Kara, she talked about this gut-brain connection, which was, you know, it's fascinating to me, just how the brain works, how the body works, the, the miracle of the body, really, that it all works together and it's all interconnected and man you can't do one thing without it affecting 25 different things or more in your body so what do you think of that interview it was fascinating i think i mentioned to you before we started recording that i've heard a bit about that that 
gut brain connection and, and not enough to know anything. Her interview intrigued me to want to go in and learn more about it. You know, and I think as she's talking and you start thinking through, you know, your own decisions through what you eat and how you exercise, you start putting, I started putting some pieces together in my own life. I'm like, oh, well, maybe that's why this, or that's why that, or whatever, you know? So it does make a lot of sense when you start to, to navigate and put some pieces together. But I think she's just a wealth of knowledge and information and extremely, extremely smart in, in the focus of what she's been doing and studying for life. And I love her. And if for nothing else, go back and listen to the podcast, just to hear her story and how she got to where she is, uh, was a very interesting road. I mean, nothing mm -hmm. real crazy, but you know, sometimes you wonder how do people end up studying something so specific and so unique and her road to get there is worth a listen just on its own. But I do, I do like that gut brain health idea. And I think that as I'm navigating probably a little bit more youth sport now and some, you know, things like that, I think it's something that I'd like to know more about also as we're navigating how to keep players healthy and injury free and just long longevity of player can be very beneficial. Yeah, you know, and, and you kind of alluded to it, but the, the great thing about that conversation is she talks a lot about optimal performance, right? And the idea of getting in the flow, as I joked about on that, and you know, I, I hope it brought you back to NBA jams, you know, like when you're oh, yeah. in Fuego, you know, and you can't yeah. miss a shot. Like, how yeah. do you get there? How do you get to in Fuego? Maybe not with literal fire flames on your back, but, you know, right. or, or with the ball, you know, you don't want to burn balls. But <laughs> but it's it's that idea of how do you get to that zone? We've all been there. And how can we recreate that moment and not just have it be a thing of chance? And so that's, you know, that was, that was what I, I just really enjoyed that conversation. And then the gut brain is a part of that. The, mm -hmm. the, some of the other things that she's, that she talked about there again, with the just mental health, it doesn't just mean going and, and meditating, you know, that may be part of it. it doesn't mean just doing right. breathing techniques may be part of it. It doesn't mean just doing this other practice, you know, yoga or stretching or whatever. It's, it starts with what you eat, right? Not starts, but it, it, it's what you eat as well, right? That's, that's part of it. If you don't eat yeah. well, it's gonna, your brain will not be optimally healthy and you won't be able to perform optimally. And that doesn't mean just drinking some protein shakes and you know, making sure your muscle mass is right. If you're not getting the right bacteria, your brain won't function at its highest capacity. And that yeah. it's, it's, it is fascinating, you know, it, it totally is. So, so that was another one. Any other, any other thoughts on Kara? No, I mean, there's some other interesting pieces in there that people should listen for with her, her inline skating or rollerblading career and her, you know, just some other interesting things that I won't talk about it too much on here because I want to leave it for folks to, to navigate and find on their own within the interview. But she's an interesting listen for yes. a thousand different reasons. Absolutely. Absolutely. There, I, I think they call them Easter eggs. Is that what they call them? Like those e Easter eggs that you find in the, in the videos or something out there. Uh, but anyway, that's what the kids talk about anyway. I don't know. I, gotcha. I'm not as hip as you, Phil. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not hip either. Cause I, I'm asking cause you're the couple, a few years younger. So that's why yeah, I'm okay, trying yeah. to see if you, if you know, but you have a, uh, your children are a little bit older than, than mine. I think that's what keeps you connected. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Some sort of egg that you can find in these in these episodes so go check them out we'd love to love to hear your fun they, they are fun they're fun little nuggets that, that if i find that about someone i'm gonna ask them so i was able to do that with kara and the last the last one we got to do together what if what a fun thing that was man i, I just really enjoyed and, and hopefully we'll get to do more of that where we're we're hopping on interviews together 
you brought so much different to the table that I wouldn't have asked and just to your experience that you're, you're able to bring. So hopefully everyone else enjoyed that, that too. But what would you take out of that with Brad? Just, I know we talked about it during the interview a little bit more than we, we were able to do that on that interview, but just looking back on it, I know I listened to it again. I don't know if you were able to after the interview, but what'd you really just take away from that to give, give people a couple nuggets from that interview so they can go back and listen to it? Yeah, I, I think, you know, Obviously, Brad is a is a, a repeat interview. You know, he's been on before, and mm-hmm. I think the progress of soccer resilience from when you first interviewed him to to when we got to interview him during this last season, it's always fun to keep up with our guests. And I think we'll probably do that with some others, I'm sure. But just the things that they're doing, and I've had since that first interview, I had the chance to speak with Brad while I was at Baylor, and we've kind of kept in touch. And I just find mm-hmm. the work that they're doing with soccer resilience is is so needed right now, not just collegiately, but through youth soccer and uh, college soccer, pro soccer, they're hitting all the levels and the way they've, the system that they've put together and the way they're going about doing it is also very practical. You know, I've talked to many people over my career that are you know selling the next thing or whatever, and it's just not practical to put into, into place. So I think not only what they're doing, but how they're doing it uh, makes it very practical. And I think also we talk a little bit about trying to get rid of the stigma of, of, of needing a counselor or a psychologist and the introduction of sports psychology and that sort of thing. But I think their, their goal to kind of eliminate the stigma of it and make it more of a, a daily practical thing that, that we navigate as humans, not just as athletes, but specifically athletes in this context is, is, is a much needed thing. And especially as we're seeing everything, you know, recently with the, the, the recent, you know, suicides of student athletes that are becoming, you know, gaining more and more national attention. You know, these are some things that these are resources that are very practical to use and, and very well done. And those that's what I've take away from from what what Brad's doing with soccer resilience is just much needed and very practical ways of 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 getting in with not just players, but players, coaches and players. Sorry, players, coaches and parents, which are all, you know, very unique situations within within sport. Definitely. Yeah. I always enjoy talking with Brad. He's just a good dude. He's just a really good dude. And he's, he's a real deal. He's, he's in it like, like we are just to help people, you know, he wants to, he wants to help people to flourish. And I love it. Cause he, he actually reached out to me again and was like, Hey, it's mental health awareness month. I'd love to be able to, you know, just share some, some different things. And I, I really enjoyed your conversation with him from a practical standpoint for coaches and parents too, but, but mainly coaches just that what's that interaction look like? Like ideally what's it look like and what it, what's the difference between a sports psychologist and a counselor and when would you use one and, and what does it look like? And what's the, how can we keep the, the, the confidentiality that, that makes it that, that's necessary when we're doing this stuff because we need to make sure to, to protect that. And otherwise people aren't going to share a lot of stuff. And if there's something that the coach needs to know to be able to help that player flourish at the higher level, how can they share that in a way that's appropriate? What does that look like? And, and that tension again, I think that's, that's that, that's similar. You know, we talk about tension in a lot of these different interviews, right? But that's the tough stuff. This stuff is nuanced, which is why I love being able to talk about it here is we can talk about it in a, in kind of a neutral setting for people where there's not a particular person in in the frame where you know there's all these different variables we can talk about it in the abstract and then the different variables obviously put in that context and see what it looks like but i, I really appreciated how Br- how brad really just laid it out 
and made it very clear. He does that very, very well. So I, I, I just love talking with him about that. And, and, just yeah, really and I would encourage too. we talked a little bit about, you know, being old school type of coaches that, you know, maybe, you know, the sports psychology thing is kind of a new thing, you know, in, in some ways it's, it's kind of a new thing. And there's a lot of coaches that have the old, an older mentality that they, they themselves don't know how to uh, respond to or uh, accept kind of this, how this is kind of moving forward and how, how needed it is. And I would just encourage any coaches that may be in that boat of, you know, not, not really sure what this is or what it's about, or if it's even necessary, I'd encourage you to listen to this podcast. Cause I think, mm-hmm. like you said, Brad does a really good job of um, putting some of those things into perspective for us as we're in. Cause I even admit that, you know, early in my coaching career, I wasn't so sure about all of it either. But I think when you adopt it and you realize how important it is, it can really benefit not only yourself, but your players and your program. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Well, hey, so, I mean, I I hope you're going to, did you enjoy that? Are you like a one and done? Are you like saying, I'm going to, I'm going to do more of the interviews? Oh man, let's do some more. Okay. All right. All right. I enjoyed that. I I mean, I really enjoyed those conversations. And I think that, I think one thing I enjoyed about it is, you know, you and I are similar in a lot of ways, but our perspective and experience within the game is very different. So Mm -hmm. I think we were able to ask some different uh, directed questions that, especially with Brad's interview, that was, I think, yeah. hopefully helpful for uh, a wide variety of listeners that we have on the podcast. I figured as much. I figured I just didn't want to make assumptions. I just didn't want to make assumptions there. So, <laughs> no, I absolutely loved it, and I, I think that everyone out there did as well. So hopefully we can we can do more interviews with the two of us being able to do it, and you can do some interviews with yourself with with people other than your wife. So that will be that will be good. Maybe. Too. So Maybe. We'll, we'll see about that. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just aspirations, you know? Yeah. But all right. So as we, as we close up another halftime show, what are, what are your, you know, just kind of just, what are you thinking, man? What are you thinking about this, this half season? What are you thinking about moving forward? What are you thinking about just what excites you about what's going on right now? Well, I think we're in a really cool place with this podcast. First of all, I mean, you, you announced earlier this week, 20,000 downloads and obviously we're, we're making an impact, which is why we're doing this. We're doing it to help people and, and help, you know, help others. And I'm just, you know, what I get excited about during this halftime is what's next. You know, who, what's next? What's coming in the next half season here? What are we going to be bringing to, to the table for these folks and for ourselves selfishly, right? Because we're helping others and helping ourselves through this process. But I think it's very important that we sit back and look at this past month, you know, being, you know, mental, mental health awareness month and how important it is that we not just kind of get through this month and then kind of forget about it. I think it's important that we're navigating not only for ourselves as leaders and coaches, because we have to take care of ourselves first. And then once we're able to do that, we can, we can help our, our athletes as well. So I don't want to look past what this month was all about. And I thought you did a good job of putting together four episodes that really dove into, to what can make us um, better as leaders through, through those avenues. Well, I, I am looking forward to the next half as well. There are some great interviews coming your way. We're actually working on a couple to finish off the, the half. We have two coming. One is a very different, I'm not even going to say what it is, but it's just a different, it's a different interview with, you know, it's got, it's actually two, two men I talk with. One is a soccer guy. The other is not. And he's very different from what you'd expect on a soccer podcast, which is, which goes back to, we're, we're all about leadership here. And if we can learn from other sports, other disciplines, I'll give you a hint. It's, it's, it's related to a, 
a sport we've talked about a few times and actually have a couple recommendations about on uh, this show already. So that just gives you a little teaser there. And then the other one is actually another uh, mental health conversation with Shay Haddow. She's a great woman who's doing some cool things. So we're going to talk with her as well. And so I I also just want to remind you folks, we got got Coaching the Bigger Game that is now out there. You're able to to sign up for that if you want to do that, coachingthebiggergame.com. Again, that's to help lead yourself, lead your individual players, and lead your team with excellence. And uh, Paul has warriorwaysoccer.com where you can find everything you uh, want to know about Warrior Way, Warrior Way Gives, Warrior Way Consulting. Some really cool stuff going on there. I mean, you know, no Paul just got back from Spain doing some cool stuff. So we'll probably talk about that in the future, what's what's coming down the pike for him and with that organization. So with all of that, folks, I hope that you are taking what you're learning from this show and you're using it to help you be a better leader in every way, a better spouse, a better parent, a better friend in your community. And, uh, and you're continually reminding yourself that soccer does explain life and leadership. Thanks a lot. Have a great week.